Thanks for watching. You chose well because there are trillions of uh, shows and web pages you could be looking at right now. You chose this one, and it was a good choice because we're talking about truth. We're talking about facts that folks on the left will deny, and even if they understand them to be true, they may try to cancel you, cancel me for talking about it. Maybe I'm naive, but I think it's important to talk about problems so we can come up with a solution. Hmm? So every night we go there when others won't. And here's something that we have to deal with. It's true. Despite what Black Lives Matter, the organization tells you, cops are not the threat to black men. They are not. If you look up the numbers, the threat posed by police officers to black men who may be committing crimes, it's dwarfed by black men who commit crime against other black men. I'm sorry, but this is the reality. In fact, blacks commit nearly two-thirds of all violent crime while they constitute just 15% of the population. And in heavily populated counties, blacks commit homicide at a rate 11 times that of whites. I don't know why this is, but this is reality. And here's another one. In black families, well, there are too many MIA or AWOL black fathers. There are, and that can lead to all kinds of problems. It can lead to prison, lower graduation rates, children out of wedlock. Barack Obama is the one who actually brought this to my attention all the way back in 2008 when he wasn't afraid to make those points. He doesn't anymore because he doesn't need us anymore. Let's see. Ashley Babbitt, I believe, was murdered on January 6th. She was murdered. You saw the clip I did. I saw that she was unarmed. I saw that no warning was offered, no verbal command to get back. She was shot and killed, and nobody seems to care. I do. Also, January 6th, let's stay on that for a moment. January 6th of uh, this year is being exploited, being exaggerated and sensationalized by the left to score political points and to hurt those of us who support Donald Trump. Also, Election Day, November 3rd, 2020. I understand that Joe Biden is the president right now. He was sworn in on the 20th. But good people can still have concerns about the fairness of that election. Was it totally fair? I don't think we know enough. I think there's a lot more to be learned. Quit calling it the big lie. This was a very unusual election, and it's perfectly fine for us to ask questions and get answers. Also, Joe Biden, <laughs> obviously he's feeble. This is a feeble person in the White House. Did you see this, by the way? Even Fox News covered this up. He fell not once, not twice, three times going up the steps to Air Force One not too long ago, and it's ignored. Now, I feel especially qualified to have this conversation because of this, the Marine Corps. I served uh, in my 20s and early 30s on active duty as a Marine Corps pilot, and I loved it. I am so grateful to the Marine Corps and the country for giving me the opportunity. One of the greatest things about it, you get to see the world and see the country. I lived all over the place, and I feel like I developed a very special understanding for who we are. And quite frankly, that's different from a lot of folks in the media. This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt across America, reporting tonight from Louisville. Good evening. Day two of our Across America journey, Louisville, Kentucky. 
They're acting like it's a foreign country, some sort of exotic excursion they're making to the middle of the country. Isn't that interesting? And in a way, they don't really want to do that. They want to get right back to New York, right? Right back to New York, where they can meet celebrities and that kind of thing. Like George Clooney. Um, some people spend their life wishing that they could meet George Clooney. And uh, I don't understand why. As a matter of fact, my passion is telling the stories of uh, people who are not famous, real people. I actually once developed a little project and all I did was interview people from all walks of life. That guy just got out of jail. There was a doctor there. She's an airline pilot. I mean, why go through an actor, a middleman who's reading a script from somebody else, pretending to be somebody else? Just go right to the person. Doesn't that make sense? Now, because I noticed these things, I also noticed that Donald Trump was going to be a force in this country for a long time. And I made the observation on June 16th of 2015. That's the very day he declared. Now, I was actually in the room. I was in the room. And if you watch this show, show you know I'm a proud Trump supporter. And I have been for a long time, all the way back to that date. That's me, actually. Uh, long story as to how I got there and what I was doing there. Uh, but when he came down the escalator, that's me. And uh, I listened to the speech. A lot of other people did, too. How did they react? Let me show you the New York Daily News, one of the top newspapers here in the city. This is what they said after Trump declared. Clown runs for president. Nobody was taking him seriously. Here's what I said. I think he might be a game changer in this race. Listen to that speech. It's going to go over well uh, in certain precincts in Iowa, New Hampshire. This is a big deal. This is not a joke. Huh. Now, I show you that not to say I'm some sort of political expert or anything like that, but I know America, and the speech I knew would resonate. It would resonate with my friends in the military and those places that I lived over the years. Now... This is not me. I'm not here bragging. It sounds like it, but I'm not, because everything that I experienced, everything that happened, all the decisions, the good ones, the bad ones, every step of the way, I was in God's hands. We all are. Some of us recognize it. And some of us don't. I know he wants each and every one of us to recognize it because he wants to have that relationship with each and every one of us. Uh, it is amazing. Uh, not living a perfect life, but a heck of a lot better than it used to be. So that's what I'm up to. Thank you for joining us, and I'll be right back. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? They don't. Ooh, and it uh, looks like they're giving another pass to Joe Biden, who, uh, I'm sorry, but this was a terrible thing to say at the Coast Guard Academy commencement where he spoke. I can only assume that you will enjoy educating your family about how the Coast Guard is, quote, the hard nucleus around the Navy forms in times of war. You are quite, you're a really dull class. I mean, come on, man. Is the sun getting to you? 
I would think you'd have an opportunity when I say that about the Navy to clap, but, but being here together. Joe, the class is fine. You're lame. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Joe has lashed out at military audiences before. Calling a group of people dull because they're not laughing at your... That means, that's on you, Joe. But again, he's done it before. Watch this. This is, I think, overseas. A few years back, he's vice president, all full of himself. Watch. I appointed Johnson to the academy. I want you to know that. Clap for that, Be slow here, man. Slow, dull, that's not nice to the troops. They don't appreciate that at all. All right. Anyway, we know what's going on overseas. Israel under siege again by the terrorist group Hamas. Yesterday here in New York City, we saw protests, pro-Palestinian protests. Now, this is a video I took actually from my office looking down on 3rd Avenue. They shut down 3rd Avenue. Here in New York, 3rd Avenue runs north. Everybody is walking south. You can't drive. If you were in an ambulance or anything like that, this is dangerous stuff. But I was inside, so I was safe. I didn't see this. This is what was happening on the ground. Take a look. DailyMail.com's furnished us with this video. As I told you, I was upstairs. I'm actually glad I was there. Um, we believe that the people under attack there are Jewish, and they've been targeted because they are Jewish. This is happening in America. It goes on. Now, what the protesters are trying to do here is take over a major highway, the FDR Drive here in Manhattan. Um, why shouldn't they take it over? BLM took it over, and the mayor let them do that. And that's very, very dangerous. You can see they almost overwhelmed those cops. Fortunately, backup came in a short time later. And this is really sad. Again, right in the middle of this city, they burned the Israeli flag. Absolute disgusting display, of course. The media coverage of this has also been disgusting. They have been conned, or perhaps they're just anti-Semitic, many of them. Um, all right, got to go overseas now. And Richard Engel is a foreign correspondent, and I'm not terribly familiar with his work, but he is somewhat brave. He goes right into the middle of the conflict zones. Brave. He's brave. Um, and yesterday, he's, uh, he's in Israel, and there's uh, fire going back and forth. And he's working his heart out. Look at the reaction from the anchor as this guy is risking his life. The anchor is uh, Lester Holt. We'll see him in a moment. 
Israelis are firing tear gas, but I think we are okay to hold here for a second. What is happening in Gaza needs to stop, and here comes the tear gas. We heard a single crack. It sounded like it could have been a sniper fire. And late tonight, Israeli media report diplomatic efforts involving Egypt and the United States could produce a ceasefire in the next two to three days. Richard Engel tonight. Thank you. Kristen Welker is at the White House. Uh, Yeah, whatever. Thank you. Uh, Let's go back. Uh, Guys taking some substantial risk and Lester there doesn't seem to be terribly impressed. I've noticed that about him before. I think he has a case of Trump derangement syndrome. It's affected him across the board. Goes all the way back at least to the 2016 debate. Lester was moderating. Trump was then a candidate. And uh, you'll see an exchange here. Just remember this. Lester Holt is absolutely wrong and Donald Trump is absolutely right. Stop and frisk was ruled unconstitutional in New York because it it largely singled out black and Hispanic young men. No, you're wrong. Uh, It went before a judge who was a very against police judge. Uh, It was taken away from her and our mayor, our new mayor, refused to go forward with the case. He's absolutely right on the facts. And Lester Holt just mischaracterized it grossly. And Lester is still doing that. Uh, You saw earlier in the show, they took their show on the road to uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, they're doing a deep dive on the situation, race and crime inside Louisville. Take a look at this. Some say the tension and distrust has long existed, fueled by decades of racism and segregation. Some say. Did you catch that? Some say. It's been a long time since segregation. And look, these are black and white pictures. But some say. I would say that it's a long time since segregation. And we're not like that anymore. Uh, But still, uh, he then went to the crime numbers. And, uh, well, this is what he came up with. In Louisville, black residents represent 21% of the population, but were involved in around 50% of the police use of force incidents. Do you think there's a connection between policing and racism? I can't believe they actually bought a plane ticket to go all the way there with their cameras and ask loaded, silly questions like that and present data like that in such a dishonest uh, way. Now, it doesn't work this way, just 21% of the population, and therefore, what, it should be 21% of the uh, police force incidents? Sorry, but this is another hard fact. Black people were responsible for a majority of the crime, and oh, by the way, when it comes to homicide, 71% of the victims in Louisville last year were black. This is tough stuff. Unfortunately, they can't take it or they want to confuse people or they're looking for excuses. I don't know what's happening here, but I do know this. Donald Trump, again, was right. Lester, we need law and order and we need law and order in the inner cities because the people that are most affected by what's happening are African-American and Hispanic people. And it's very unfair to them what our politicians are allowing to happen. Totally. Nailed it. Now this. Black lives do matter. Not the way the organization says. They only seem to care when a black life is taken by a white cop. 
Black Lives Do Matter, including the life of 32-year-old Shalimar Burkett, shot and killed in Brooklyn here in New York on Monday night. She was shot at a memorial vigil for a friend who was also shot and killed at a party Sunday night, also in Brooklyn. 31-year-old Miles Bob Semple was shot after stepping on the foot of a gang member at a party. Silly dispute. Burkett was mourning his loss with a group of friends when someone drove by and opened fire. She was hit twice in the head. Burkett believed to be an innocent bystander, not the intended target. Police think it may be the same shooter who killed Bob Semple. No arrests have been made. The family says that they need the police. Burkett's mother also lost a son to gun violence three years ago. She got shot at a visual. What is this world is coming to? We definitely still do need police. Please do not defund the police. We're asking for the police to help find my cousin's killer. But we need to find these people as soon as possible. Thank you. I remember her as a sweet person. I remember her as a dearing, loving mother to her children and to the family. Real people are not saying defund the police. No way. Just the opposite. We'll be right back. So over the past year, a lot of us have become acquainted with Black Lives Matter, a pretty intense group. Uh, a lot of folks don't realize their socialist uh, leanings and uh, that it's all about destroying the nuclear family. They actually talked about that. Um, but there's actually a group that is more hardcore. It's called the Black Hammer Organization, and it's said to rival Black Lives Matter more intense. Uh, we're going to learn about it right now from Sam Faddis. He is the senior editor for AnnMagazine.com, a retired CIA operations officer, and also Jonathan Gilliam, former FBI agent, former Navy SEAL. Sam, uh, Jonathan, welcome. And first to you, Sam, I never heard of the Black Hammer organization. Uh, what is it? How big is it? And uh, what are they up to? Well, the exact size, I guess, is unknown, but it's not insignificant. They have chapters all over the country. Uh, it is an expressly Marxist organization, revolutionary. They disparage Black Lives Matter because they consider themselves to basically be, in their words, not mine, the tool of whitey. So they're too soft for them, uh, not hardcore enough. Uh, they want to really get on with the revolution, and they're expressly violent. We have a clip from uh, just a number of members uh, chanting some pretty offensive stuff. Let's take a look at this and then discuss. Imagine a world without white people. A world without white people. A world without white people. Sound too good to be true? I am back. This is Chief Ture with Black Hammer Organization's Reparations Corps. And I want to talk today about national suicide. Committing national suicide just means that if you're a white person, Black Hammer wants you to disunite with illegitimate white power states like America and to pay reparations. Jonathan Gilliam, are these crackpots or is this a, a serious thing that we got to worry about? I don't know, but it's interesting how they picked the whitest guy on there to be their spokesperson the most in the video. But listen, th it, this is just uh, the ridiculousness of this is, is that, uh, yes, they're, they're more radical than, uh, than Black Lives Matter or the Democrat Party. But many people in Black Lives Matter and in the Democrat Party feel exactly the way that they do. 
they support people from the Black Panthers that killed over 30 police officers in their uh, in their heyday. Um, the rhetoric that you're hearing there is not far off from what Black Lives Matter and the Democrat Party and the leftist Marxists in this nation espouse on a daily basis. It's just amped up a bit. And I think it's very important to see the relationship between these groups. One may only take it to a point where legally uh, they're not going to get in trouble, but these other groups will pick up right where they left off. They may say bad things and disparage them, but the reality is they're speaking the same language. So there's a guy named Ghazi Kadzo. He is the leader of this organization, Sam, you uncovered. And I think we have, uh, we're going to, we'll see him uh, and what he's up to. Take a look. You want to know why I call white Jews fake? Because they are currently killing the original black Jews, Ethiopians, who taught them everything about their religion. Look it up. They weren't just born Jewish. They were taught how to be Jewish, and they were taught how to be Jewish from African people, boo. So how can I be anti-Semitic when I birthed you? All right, I can't really understand what he's getting at, but uh, who is this guy? How old is he? Where does he live? What's he all about, if you don't mind, Sam? So Ghazi used to be a member of a group called the African Socialist Party, which is in and of itself a pretty radical racist organization. He's actually so hardcore that the African Socialist Party threw him out. Uh, he's expressly Marxist, expressly revolutionary. Look, Ghazi is also easy to make fun of because he's a lunatic. But, uh, you know, the way this works is these guys keep crawling further and further out on the lunatic fringe. We have already seen police officers killed, and that's exactly where these guys are headed. They're, they are going to begin to kill people, and then we're going to turn around and say, where did this come from? Why didn't we stop it before it happened? Uh, I want to take a look at their mission statement and then turn it over to you, Jonathan. This is the Black Hammer mission statement. They have a formal mission statement. Let's go ahead and put it up on the screen if we can, and we'll take a look at it all together. Uh, Black Hammer organization exists to take the land back for all colonized people worldwide under the leadership of the colonized poor and working class. Our mission is to use our collective building power to unite, strengthen, and liberate all colonized. This sounds like something from the 1970s, uh, Jonathan. Uh, you've got great FBI tact, uh, contacts. Are they taking this seriously? Because what I hear time and time again is you've got to be worried about white supremacy. That's the big existential threat to America. We've talked about that before. Are they taking this seriously? I don't, I don't think that they are. I mean, now listen, there's they're the regular agents that I know that are involved in domestic terror investigations. These people take all these threats seriously if they come up on the radar. But like I was discussing with somebody yesterday about uh, Andrew uh, Cuomo here in New York and his megalomaniac ways, uh, you have the FBI can investigate all that they want, but if the DOJ does not recognize this as a threat and does not go forward on this, there's going to be no further actions. The FBI will stop in their tracks. And so this is the very dangerous part about the way the federal government works. And, and this, listen, they are dangerous because exactly what you were just saying there a second ago, these people will sneak up on you. And the next thing you know, they have an autonomous zone. And then that autonomous zone turns into a, into a town and mm. then into a state. Well, they have a little town right now or something, a wannabe town in Colorado. I think we have some pictures of it. This is, uh, well, they're hanging out on the outskirts of something called Hammer City. Doesn't look like much of a city. It looks like a ravine. I mean, they're just hanging around the rocks. Um, Sam, can you tell us about uh, where they are and what's happening here? 
They were supposedly building a, a capital city called Hammer City in Florida. They've now moved to Colorado, where they claim to have 200 acres. Um, you know, what they're actually constructing there, that's a good question. I suspect once it starts to get cold in the mountains of Colorado, they'll be less enthusiastic. But to give you a, another flavor for them, they joke about keeping warm in the mountains by burning copies of the diary of Anne Frank, because they are also expressly anti-Semitic, as you saw in Ghazi's video that you played, and they think the Jews ought to be killed as well. Sam Faddis, thank you for your work on this. Uh, you can check it out at annmagazine.com. Jonathan Gilliam, thank you for your expertise. To be continued, gentlemen, uh, by all means. Meanwhile, we got to check in with Grant Stinchfield, finally back from his uh, time away. Grant, good to see you. What's going on? And it was a great vacation I had, Greg, and it's good to be back with you. So, you know, there's all this talk about vaccine passports. Fauci again coming out saying we need a vaccine passport today. To me, Greg, this is looking a lot like communist China and their social equity credit system. Good people, good things happen. You obey, good things happen. Bad, bad things happen when you disobey. We're going to get into that. Marjorie Taylor Greene on the program, as well as Congresswoman Bobart as well. So we got a big show ahead tonight. All right. Excellent. Grant, good to see you back. And we'll be right back. Oliver North coming up, and so is Andrew Giuliani. It's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. I love it. And here's the man himself, Andrew Giuliani, candidate for governor, Republican. Welcome back to Newsmax, former Newsmax contributor. Great to see you again. This is, you know, I told Mr. Ruddy when I left here, I was like, this works out better for him. I'm going to come on as much as he'd like, and he doesn't have to pay me a dime. It's great to be <laughs> home. It's great to be home. So, Andrew, uh, everyone's talking about your candidacy. Uh, lay it out there. Why should the people vote for you? Yes. Well, here's the thing. New York can be turned around. We know that. We've seen it. Both of our parents have played a big role in that, and we've seen that as New Yorkers. Here are the three main policies that I'll be laying out. One, we're going to light the economic furnace again in New York, right? That's the first thing we're going to do by deregulating and cutting taxes. Secondly, and most importantly, we are going to make sure that we cut crime. We're going to make sure our cops are completely, completely protected in their qualified immunity and the bail reform is repealed. And thirdly, we're going to make sure that parents have a say over their children's education, not bureaucrats up in Albany. New York can be saved, Greg. You and I know that. But we want it, we want it to be saved, well, before we're grandparents, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew, listen, uh, you speak with passion. I know you got experience and you can learn a lot by yeah. hanging around with the, one of the greatest mayors of all time, your dad. <laughs> uh, you know what they're going to say, what mm -hmm. they're saying already. Look, uh, great guy, but, you know, wow, he's only 35 years old. <laughs> and this is his first time out at anything like this. What do you say to them? So what I say is I've spent parts of five different decades in politics, 32 years, in politics, right? Everything from seeing how City Hall was changed to working in the White House with their top CEOs in the United States, right? So we've continued to work through the Paycheck Protection Program in there to help to help make sure that New Yorkers and all Americans had an opportunity when things were shutting down to have their paycheck and businesses survive. I specifically was involved in the MTA CARES Act funding to make sure that thousands of New York jobs were preserved when they were shutting down in the MTA. The truth is, 
I may, I may only be 35 years old. I will be the youngest governor, surpassing only Teddy Roosevelt at 37 years old. But I've got a lot of experience in those 32 years. I think I'm prepared for this. Uh, we're looking at some of those pictures of you as a little kid. <laughs> and there you are with the president, uh, your dad. Now, tell us how that worked. I mean, you did, look, you mentioned mm -hmm. five decades. So you're saying 80s, 90s, the aughts, the Parts teens, of five decades. Parts of five 89 decades. 89 to... Tell us a little bit about, like, you know, and, and I do believe this is true. You can learn stuff as a little kid yeah. when your dad is the mayor. So what I remember, right? So I remember in 1989 going around with him how he would ultimately build this coalition, this fusion coalition, as they called it. If you remember at the time, he won as a Republican and won on the Liberal Party line. It's just very difficult to win in New York City as a Republican. It's four to one, Democrat to Republican in New York City. So to see how he was able to build that coalition. And you know what he did, Greg, and this is what we're going to do as a gubernatorial candidate. We are going to show New Yorkers that school choice, economic development, and keeping our city, our streets safe those aren't red or blue policies. Those are policies that are going to help all 19.5 million New Yorkers. All right. So the election is uh, next year. You got some Republicans you got to deal with. You got Rob Astorino. Yeah. He ran for governor once before. He's a former county executive. You got Lee Zeldin, a congressman. These are heavyweight guys mm -hmm. with credentials. Uh, what's your plan? Well, and they're good friends of mine. I think the truth is our policies are going to be very similar in terms of how we're presenting it out there. Uh, so far, our polling is much better in terms of running against uh, whoever the Democratic nominee is. We think it's going to be potentially Cuomo or James. Um, and, and I think we're going to be able to far outraise uh, either of those two gentlemen or any other Republicans that, that, uh, that, come, that, that get in the race. But what I do welcome, Greg, is being able to actually have as many Republicans who want to get in this race as possible. And here's my reasoning. Donald Trump understood in 2016 that we need to make sure through the primary process that we are owning the news cycle. Cuomo and James, they're going to be able to own the front pages. They're going to be able to own the top of the shows. We need to make sure that we have candidates that are out there Drive, going all across the 62, 62 counties of New York and driving that news cycle. Uh, Donald Trump, you worked for him. He was your boss. Uh, <laughs> are we going to see him on the campaign trail for you at some point? Would you like that? Look, I spoke with the president last week. I look forward to speaking with him later this week. Um, he's been a great mentor, a great friend, uh, a great boss. Um, like my father, he's a great asset, somebody that, that you absolutely can get a lot of information for. Um, so what I would say is, Privately, we, we talk often, and he's been, he's been great hearing this. All right. Well, terrific. Uh, hey, we got to uh, get you some rest. Your voice, you've been, you've, been talking, you've been talking a lot. You know, I'm happy to sacrifice my voice for this great state. I am absolutely happy to. I'll do it. I'll keep talking for the next 18 months plus uh, eight years. 18 months. Wow. And finally, uh, so you've been a candidate for a couple of days now. Yep. I mean, how does it feel? Is it different when you finally take the plunge? You can talk about it, you can mm -hmm. think about it, you can plan it, but now you're doing it. Yeah, you know, the truth is that they talk about how, you know, you don't need sleep and this and that. You're running on adrenaline. This is so exciting. And, and, and the thing that's so exciting about it is, and you and I know this, we've seen New York transform once. And we've seen what that, how amazing that is. That's why people get into politics when they're younger, because they want to make a change in people's lives. I'm excited because I know ultimately when New York elects me governor on November 8th of 2022, starting January, 21st, January 1st of 2023, we will be able to make the changes in New York State to make New York truly the center of the world again. Wow. You know, Andrew Giuliani, I think this can happen. I really do. This could be wild. And uh, 
Good luck, all right? Thank you, Greg. Come back anytime. Thank you. Andrew Giuliani, potentially future governor of New York State. We'll be right back. One of my very favorites in the universe, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North, United States Marine Corps, retired. Welcome back, sir. So good to see you. How are you? Great to be with you again, Greg. And I promise this time, no technical glitches. <laughs> okay. Well, that was on our part, not yours. Uh, <laughs> hey, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North, you know national security like no other. Um, what is your assessment right now of the situation with Israel, Hamas, Gaza, and the Biden administration's response to it? Well, look at this. The Biden administration has been a constant set of Biden blunders. Uh, the open borders disaster in Texas and Arizona and New Mexico, the kids sleeping in, you know, the, those are survival blankets, by the way. The infrastructure plan is an embrace of the Paris Climate Accord. It's a good deal for communist China, a bad deal for us. They're shutting down the XL pipeline and new restrictions on fracking have made us energy dependent once again. And I will tell you, Greg, last week's colonial pipeline shutdown is going to prove to be a warm up when Iran shuts down the Hormuz Straits with mines and stops the tankers from moving. That's the kind of stuff that this administration is setting us up for. The U.S.-China mini-summit in Alaska with Secretary of State Blinken and National Security Advisor Sullivan was an embarrassment thanks to those videos of peaceful protests burning all across America's cities from Seattle, Portland, Minneapolis, New York, Washington. The total mishandling of the withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan. Taliban attacks are up nearly 50% from a year ago. They've told the enemy exactly when the withdrawal will be complete. And worst of all, they're leaving behind more than 17,000 interpreters and translators, nearly 75,000 family members to be slaughtered wholesale by the Taliban and al-Qaeda and ISIS elements. By the way, Biden can fix this right now with a stroke of his pen on one of his infamous executive orders, directing DOD and the State Department to bring them to safe haven. Even Jimmy Carter managed to rescue and provide refuge to 125,000 Cubans in 1980. It's a no-brainer to prevent a disaster like Saigon in May of 1975. Again, these are contractors, uh, translators, Afghan nationals who helped us. Oh, absolutely. They helped yes. us. Yes. helped us. And as you look at you, when you and I were together covering the war in Iraq, we had interpreters working with us, as did the U.S. military forces. Same problem there, by the way. They're not doing a damn thing to help these remarkably brave people get, get safety in the United States. And all this can be fixed with a stroke of a pen. You now, also let's talk a little bit. Sure, let's talk ahead. a little bit real quick about what's happening with Israel. Apparently, yesterday and again today, Mr. Biden called up Prime Minister Netanyahu and started now forcefully telling him it's time for a ceasefire. Let me let me just explain to everybody, Greg. This is not Mr. Netanyahu's problem. Hamas is a wholly owned subsidiary of Tehran. There's an overnight solution to this thing. Instead of Mr. Biden calling. Prime Minister Netanyahu, he needs to go up publicly and tell the Ayatollahs the United States is withdrawing from the Vienna talks on reinstituting the, the whole called so-called Jikpawa thing, in other words, the Iranian nuclear deal. He's not to reinstate all the sanctions until the rockets stop. And here's what's going to happen. If he does that, the rockets will stop because Hamas does exactly what they're told. The bottom line of it is Biden is barking up the wrong tree again, just like all those Biden blunders since he's been in office. And you know, well, you know the region and you have uh, special insight into Iran. 
Um, you know, let's face. You know, yeah. you, you you you're one of the few people. Been there, done you, that. Yeah, exactly. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about the what, what's what isn't classified? Can you tell us a little bit about I, that trip? I think with the cake and the key. Oh, look at look at the bottom line of what the Iranians are doing is trying to preserve their their religious dictatorship. That's what they're trying to do, and and the direct threat to that is the continuing economic sanctions that were imposed by the last administration need to be reinstated. The rockets will stop at that point. The rest of the world can take a deep breath. And all it has, and Biden is the key to that, not Netanyahu. Netanyahu's Israeli defense forces, as you and I both know from covering, the, I covered the last war out there, 2006. And, and this is the seventh time this kind of thing has happened. When the Iranians say stop, Hamas will stop. Every single one of those thousands of rockets were delivered by Iran. Iran is the key to this whole thing. Stop talking to Netanyahu. Netanyahu is going to continue to counterattack every time a missile gets thrown into Israel by Hamas. And those are Iranian missiles. And John Kerry seems pretty cozy with Iran. Uh, so do the other members of the administration. And you know Iran, again, uh, far better than they do, going back many decades. And if there's anything you can tell us about that special I, was it a trip with Bud McFarlane? Uh, were you, were yeah. you part of that? I, I, can you tell our viewers well, a little bit about that moment? Well, what, what President Reagan was trying to do was to open up an opportunity to find moderates in Iran. Turns out there really aren't any. There weren't, there weren't any then. There may still be moderates, don't get me wrong, but they're not in power. The, 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 the Superior Council over there, the Supreme Council, is run by very senior Ayatollahs. By the way, several of them have dropped dead from COVID. And the communist Chinese are now doing a secret deal with Tehran, the Beijing and, and Tehran, to help them finish their nuclear weapons program and to give them the kinds of vaccines that they may need if they have a major outbreak like they're having in India right now. I want to mention your book, by the way. Um, we haven't talked about this because you published another book, but this is one that you wrote. Uh, let's go ahead and put it up on the screen. Veterans Lament, Is This yeah. the America Our Heroes Fought For? Uh, it's quite a, <laughs> I, I know what you mean. Could you tell us a little bit about this, please? Yeah, this is 500 military personnel, not mm -hmm. all officers. They span the, literally from the war that I was in back in, in the 1960s called Vietnam, all the way up to those who fought in the current conflict. And what they're, what they're concerned about right there in that index are the kinds of things that every conservative feels shunned by. And, and what, what's happening now with things like our, you know, the whole thing is you're white, I'm white, we're therefore racist. Mm. I mean, the ideas that are coming out of this administration. And by the way, we interviewed these guys before the election. We had no idea what the outcome of the election was going to be. But these are guys who are looking at the long-term effects on their children and their grandchildren, economically, politically, socially, and quite frankly, issues of faith. I mean, what you've got is an administration that is now trying to turn everybody in the armed forces of the United States into social justice warriors. It's not what we're supposed to be doing. We, we've, they've shut down training for 1.5 million days. Okay, that's what it's going to come out to. 1.5 million man days. If I can, I'm sorry, person days. Yeah, person days. Right? <laughs> and that's and that's and that's supposed to be taking care of training people about how to be more understanding and lovable and the like and, and tolerant of things that, quite frankly, have nothing to do with military readiness. 1.5 million mandates lost, and there's probably a whole lot more on top of it. And the edicts that are coming down about purging out of the ranks, those who belong to, quote, extremist organization, and 
I don't know. Is yeah. Knights of Columbus an extremist organization? I don't know. It is so I'm just, bizarre. I'm, I'm, my concern is what we're doing is nothing to do with military readiness. The communist Chinese know that and the Iranians know that because all the signals that this administration has given is we don't really care about military readiness. We darn well better because the, the kinds of appeasement that this guy is working, Biden, in, is very much like Neville Chamberlain that led up to what was that called? Oh, that was World War II. The disaster that we're looking at pulling out of, of the, the, the troops out of yeah. Afghanistan is the kind of thing that you could end up with a Saigon kind of moment in May of the end of, the, excuse me, on 9-11 mm -hmm. this year, just like we had in May of 1970. Lieutenant excuse Colonel. Me, 1975, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know the chaotic withdrawal, the people hanging off yeah. of the helicopter, it was uh, ridiculous. Thank you so much for your insight. Let's continue the conversation. Uh, it is some bizarre and disturbing things are happening at the Pentagon right now. Oliver North, once again, sir, thank you so much. Semper Fi, pray for America. Semper Fi, indeed. We'll be right back. iHeartRadio app. Have you heard about that? iHeart is a great media company. iHeartRadio, uh, they've got all kinds of podcasts and content. We, Newsmax, now available on the iHeart app. Um, I know every time somebody tells you to download an app, it sounds like a pain. It's not. I did this a while back. It's easy, and you got access to so much content, and it's free, including Newsmax. So download the uh, iHeart app. Very easy to find. And if you want to find Newsmax, you just put Newsmax in the search window, little magnifying glass. Again, very, very easy, and uh, you get all this stuff wherever you are. Thanks so much, folks, to be continued, and uh, really, we appreciate it. All the best. Thank you.